0: Oh, we
1: will probably turn up for Could you? Grace to you and peace from God the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, when we started Lent this year, we started a series and we talked about all the various curses uh, from Adam and Eve that they received from God, and and we talked about all those various aspects of things, and yet here this morning, we don't talk about a curse, but we kind of switch gears. We talked about blessings. We talked about being blessed, and yet when we talk about being blessed with confusion, Especially confusion with joy, it's a little bit challenging to even really understand it, isn't it? I I try to think back when was a time whenever I was confused, but yet with joy? I don't know if I can really think of a single one. I mean, there's been times whenever I was confused, and then later found out that what I was confused about was actually something quite joyful. Then I had joy. There have been those times whenever I was confused, and I looked around me, and I saw everybody else smiling and, and happy, and so I smiled and was happy in my confusion, thinking, well, it must be something good, and sometimes that worked in my favor, right? Sometimes it was, in fact, something good, and then other times I realized that what was happening is that the joke was being played on me, and uh, that's why they were all smiling. Oh, I know. You guys aren't, aren't reacting, but it happens. It really happens, Right, if a group of teenage boys comes up to you and offers you Oreo cookies, be careful. <laughs> be very, very. Years and years ago, that's actually what happened to me. Group a group of teenagers came up with some Oreos and they said, "Here, Pastor, have one." And me, being all innocent in my confusion about why are they bringing me cookies, I was like, "Well, okay, toothpaste." They had taken the center of the Oreo cookie out. They had ma- put it back together. It was toothpaste. And here's the worst part. Here is the worst part about this whole story, about this whole exchange. At the time, it is a different parish, it was the husband of the DCE that brought the toothpaste. <laughs> here's why I say that's a problem. I can't exactly give these teenage boys in trouble, now can I? It's not really, I mean, it it is their fault. They definitely did it. But yet, he was the one that instigated it. So then I was like, well, I I just got to go with it. But yeah, whenever we think of confusion, rarely do we think of joy. And then we have this text before us today, the Gospel of of mark the 16th chapter and and here's a text that is filled with confusion i mean i mean there is just confusion everywhere you open up your bible to mark 16 and you go one through eight and you get to the eighth verse you will see a big black line right across and it'll say hey the earlier manuscripts do not have verses nine and following talk about confusing well what are we supposed to do with that How are we supposed to understand that? How are we supposed to to read that and and, and look at that? And to be honest with you, it is a much bigger topic than I can handle in a 10-minute sermon. Which is why I say, if you ever want to come to Bible class and talk about such things, it's a great opportunity to. It's definitely worthy of our thought. It's definitely worthy for us to think about. But already, you can see how confusing things can be. But even if you were just to take verses 9 and following and read, you'd realize that it seems to be a different section entirely. It's like we have verses 1 through 8, and then all of a sudden starting at verse 9, it's like we carry off in a bit of a different direction. And so verse 1 through 8 are their own section. And look at how it ends. It ends in confusion. It ends with alarm and and even a little bit of terror, but also, also a little bit of joy maybe even a lot of joy, depending. I mean, it can be hard to understand a little bit. The text doesn't really say anything about joy, but yet put yourself in the position of these women. And I know that's hard. 2,000 years to look back at. it's, It's a little hard to look back and say, oh, I completely understand everything that they went through. We don't. It's hard to truly grasp all of those things. And yet, that's also one of the reasons I love this text. It doesn't just have this nice bow on top of it. It doesn't explain every every mystery away. We're kind of left hanging on God's word, just as he said. But just think about it. Try to move this story into modern day times and think about it. And you can see just how wild this story can be. Imagine you have a good friend, a really good friend, a close friend, And your friend tells you that he is going to die. But don't worry, after a few days, he is going to rise again. Now my guess is, is if your friend tells you this, you're going to think that he's speaking metaphorically, figuratively, certainly not in reality. Nobody really talks that way. And so you're certainly not going to necessarily take it that way. But then all of a sudden, he does die. Who knows the circumstance? We could try to fit all, all of this together. But he dies. You have the funeral. And so you and a group of friends get together and you say, you know what? Let's get some flowers. Let's go put them by the tombstone. And you get out right at the cemetery. You Get out of your car. And you start walking towards the tombstone. But all the dirt's out. You get a little closer, you look down, the casket is open, it's empty. And and if that wasn't enough, there's two angels there. Now listen, when we speak of angels, a lot of times we think immediately of precious moments, right? Those cute little angels, they're just so adorable. But find me an example. Find me an example in scripture where an angel appears and there's not alarm or fear, Or somebody mistakes that angel for God. There's hardly any. This is almost always the case when an angel is present. Angels were intimidating. They were powerful. They were noticeable. And sometimes they would be overwhelming. Which is why almost always there is alarm and there is fear. And so as you walk to this tomb, this, this, this basically this empty casket, there's two angels standing there going, Hey, your friend said he was going to rise from the dead. He did it. Oh, and by the way, he's going to see you in town a little bit later. My guess is you wouldn't just casually walk away. You'd probably drop the flowers and just run. And now you can begin to understand verse 8. Verse 8, these women, as they run away, as 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 they run away in their alarm and their confusion. But even if you were in that example, wouldn't you have at least a little bit of joy? Right? There's a chance. I mean, even in the back of your mind, you might be saying there's not much of a chance. But you might still go, well, there's still a chance that maybe my friend was speaking the truth. Maybe he really did rise from the dead. Maybe I'm going to get to see my friend again. My friend who I didn't think I'd ever get to see again, I'll actually get to see him again. I'll get to talk to him again. So there's probably, even in the midst of that confusion, a little bit of joy. And it brings out a lot of questions, though, doesn't it? Especially when we think about putting this into modern terms and thinking about this and dwelling on this, we might begin to say, well, how do, what, what do we do with all of this? Where do you stand this morning? How do you stand with this text, with this scripture reading? And to maybe put it another way, we might ask the simple, more simple question, why are you here? Why are you here? Maybe you got here a little bit early and you said, you know what? I heard the Easter breakfast was fabulous. I'm going to eat the Easter breakfast. But then I'll feel guilty so I better at least stay for church. Or maybe or maybe your friend invited you and you said, "You know, I've never been to a Lutheran church. I might want to see what that's about." Or maybe this is just a service that you go to. You know, you you, you don't come very much, but on, at least on Easter you got to show up or maybe you come week after week, but it's just because it's a habit. Or maybe just maybe you're kind of like me. You see because I firmly believe this scripture lesson. I firmly believe that this text, I firmly believe that on that first day of the week, my Lord, my Savior, Jesus Christ, rose from the dead and that that event changes everything. That because my Lord rose from the dead, I know that his death upon the cross was for me. That I stand forgiven. That I stand reconciled with my heavenly Father because of what Christ has done. But you know what? That event wasn't just for me. That event was for you as well. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sake. He died on the cross that you would be forgiven, that you would be reconciled with your heavenly Father. And he rose from the dead on the third day. That those, that those who come to him in faith, that those that through the power of the Holy Spirit are brought to faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ might have eternal life. That's some good news. But you know what? No matter why you're here, whether you're just here for the Easter breakfast or whether you're here for any other reason, we're happy you're here. I mean that. I really do. I'm I'm just happy and excited that you're able to join us today, that you're able to gather here to gather with us And hear such great news. And hear this story again and again. No matter why you're here, we are happy that you are here. Talk about some wonderful news. That our Lord was raised from the dead. That through him we have forgiveness of sins. That we get to gather here on Easter morning. And come with that Easter proclamation, right? He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen. And now may the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds.